This is Foreign Founders, a Chibit podcast. Welcome back to Foreign Founders podcast. Um, this is a podcast where we interview immigrant founders and foreign founders about their startups, their journeys. Um, today we have our uh, guest for this episode, Shirley Yu, CEO of Choosy. Hi, Andy. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Shirley Yu. I'm a Chinese American founder. I'm based in New York City. I'm working on Choosy with two eyes. Um, which is a space for collectors to come together where we show off and sell from our collections. It's kind of like a convention nice. center or a festival. The social aspect of it is, is the fun of Choosy. It's the main part. I have an exotic plant collection. It um, is the reason why I live on the Jersey City side because I need the big windows to, you know, so my plants can soak up all of its energy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I probably have like 50 different species of plants. Uh, probably five of those species have albinism, which is one of my sub collections that I have. It's funny. I have collections of collections. Um, but yeah, part of being a collector, it's, it's this great thing that really helps me with being a founder too, because I feel like collectors are, so intentional they're so you know we're so obsessive you know we're we're always making our collection better we're always like iterating on it so i feel like part of these uh these qualities are what helps me be a founder for collectors too and it really started from when i was young i've always been collecting things even when i was a, a child in beijing I remember collecting stamps with my grandfather and that was like my introduction. And I've always been, I've always been like that meticulous. I've, I've been a still life photographer, just gathering things. Um, so it's just part of my almost personality at this point. <laughs> How did your uh, grandfather get into collecting stamps? Can you tell us more about that story? Absolutely. So in China, my grandfather worked, um, he was in the military and he traveled a lot. That's what I knew from when I was younger. And from just traveling, he would have, you know, different stamps and different kinds of stamps. There was um, a time, I think, for 10 years where he was really traveling a lot based on what my family tells me. And so when I was, you know, three, and I, I lived with my grandparents uh, between the time that I was born and when I was five years old, uh, when my parents had come here earlier to make their way in New York City, I was raised by my grandparents. And so one of the things that grandpa and me would do would be to add to the stamp collection. If we saw stamps as we were out or we would go to like, you know, one of these specialty stores where they where they had, you know, vintage stamps or they had, you know, letters with a stamp that we haven't seen before. We would put them in these albums. And I remember having like six, like just really thick albums. Um, yeah. Red oh ones, black ones, um, all Chinese stamps. It was it was amazing. The variety of it. 
I remember every time I went back and I would go back to Beijing every three, five years, I would just poke open the stamp collection. Um, I've never seen uh, anything like it here, just the variety of the stamps, just this connection to the experiences of my grandfather. And really it marking like not only the things he did with me, but all of the things that he did and experienced in life, because I knew that he scoured the country for these, well, for his own self, but also these were, you know, his souvenirs from, you know, a life of, you know, adventures and, and work and travel. So I thought that was awesome. But your grandfather is not the only remarkable person in your family, right? Your family has a lot of people who have done um, a lot of different things. And I would just love to learn more about that. And also, Absolutely. maybe you can expand on why um, your parents decided to move to New York. As of well. course. My, um, one of the most interesting things about me that I really like to celebrate is that I am almost straight down the middle, one half a very creative person and one half a very technical and analytical person. So there's that, you know, creative, uh, emotionally driven, and then, you know, the technical and the analytical, and it's almost straight down from, you know, everything that I've noticed and that my friends tell me it's really half and half. And it's funny because the my earliest memories besides collecting with my grandfather uh was also painting the cherry blossoms. So I really get that creative side. He loved to play games. He loved to go to the lake um with watercolors and I remember painting these cherry blossom trees uh him holding my my hand doing it when I was two and three um, with calligraphy brushes. It was absolutely beautiful. And he had a thing for photography too. And just like I mentioned the other day at the event to you, uh, I became a photographer later on. Um, I had my own studio, my own creative studio in the city. That's where I got it from. Um, my grandmother on, on, on my mother's side, so... She was uh, a civil engineer in China where she designed um, hydraulic dams, uh, you know, energy infrastructure, which was, you know, it's so awesome because I have generations of history of women in STEM that I get to look up to. My, uh, mother, my grandmother on my father's side she worked at a STEM library where uh, the Science Institute of Beijing, Peking University, one of, one of the big colleges in China, um, she worked in the science library. And my grandfather was a physics professor for, a, uh, for his whole life. In it was 1998 when I moved here from Beijing. We landed in New York City. And I grew up from being four years old. I grew up in Brooklyn, Sunset Park. <laughs> it's Brooklyn's Chinatown. It's funny because I actually grew up with a lot of collectors in my life. Uh, when we got here, after we got to Brooklyn, 
let's say fast forward two years, my parents wanted to move out of Sunset Park and move to New Jersey and hit the burbs. So when I came here, both of my parents, you know, worked as um, engineers in the city. So I remember going to my babysitter's house and um, and my babysitter, her parents, her dad had a huge Star Wars collection. It was an entire <laughs> room of Star Wars memorabilia. I would have to say like glass boxes of unopened figurines of, you know, signed things and posters. And Amazing. I was my first best friend, um, her, her family babysat me, but my first best friend, I remember we called it the Star Wars room. I had never watched Star Wars and I had known so much about Star Wars because, you know, seeing these things be really taken care of, really precious, um, seeing someone so meticulous about their collection, that being one of my first memories here it was i remember going like in beijing my grandparents we had like a small one bedroom you know with a very small kitchen and just like you know a living room where the the couch would like fold out and become chairs uh become a bed it would become you know somewhere you sat on for dinner there was like one table and i just remember it being here and um the first time we moved to the suburbs and keep in mind our place in sunset park was like a small you know one bedroom two bedroom uh, or one and a half apartment um back then just really not a modern apartment like a tenement style apartment and I remember the first house in the suburbs, I was like, I can't believe that there is a person who has a whole room <laughs> just for these Star Wars figures. Because I was, I was, um, I remember in China, like I slept in the same room that was like the dining room. That was also the living room. That was where we also had our clotheslines um, on the windows. So moving there, I re just remember, wow, this is such an abundance. This is, there is, um, there's such abundance here that there is an entire room full of Star Wars figurines. And it was so interesting. <laughs> that was so interesting. And that wasn't his that uh, only my... collection either. He also collected Nightmare Before Christmas, like Tim Burton type of stuff. It was a smaller, uh, like closet full of stuff. But he was the first collector that I met my, you know, my best friend's dad. That was so cool. And so I kind of grew up with the feeling of being around collectors for a while. What is the psychology of a collector? What does it mean to be a collector? What are collectors thinking I think that we all want to feel some something tangible that reminds us of a memory that we have or an experience. It is almost not really even about the thing, but it's about our connection to it. So, 
you know, being somebody, you know, if I were to jump into the mind of somebody like my grandfather, who just amassed this massive stamp collection, it's not only uh, one of places uh, and of times, because different um, time periods have different, you know, art styles to the stamps. So what I like about collecting plants is that all my different plants have different care instructions each one is its own individual and this is specific to plant collecting but the uh certain plants with different uh patterns like the ones that i mentioned that have albinism are more difficult to take care of than a normal house plant it's because right. only the green parts have chlorophyll and the white parts don't have any. So amongst plant collectors, it's a big flex to actually have yeah. this kind of plant. Because it means, wow, and keep you it actually alive. know a lot. <laughs> and keep it alive so that it actually stays in your collection. The flex amongst plant collectors is you must like know the craft of care. You know, you must know a lot about each plant species if you are able to have such a large variety and still care and keep for that keep them alive like i said as being somebody who has a lot of you know plants with albinism mutations that's a big flex so i think that the main thing that motivates me as a collector is just other plant collectors for me that's the the social aspect of ch is what we get out of Choosy. So on Choosy, you can follow your favorite collectors. You can follow collectors that are uh, collecting the same types of this stuff that you are, whether it be categorical or thematic. So if you collect watches, if you collect creepy dolls or crystal balls, you know, we use AI to cluster collectors together based on uh, how similar their collections are. I call it like a Pinterest for possessions because we have various, we can make collections of our own. And it's really fun for a collector to showcase every single kind of collection they might have. So if you have a Star Wars collection and a Nightmare Before Christmas collection, for example, if you have things, we try to find people that have similar things to you so that you could follow along every time they scour the world and find something to add to their collection um they update all their friends so think of all these collectors building in public that's the fun part one of the ways that we're different from other social spaces i would say is if you think about what social spaces were optimized for they are mainly to show someone's personality but Collectors' personalities relate to our things. We actually identify a lot with the things that we collect. So Choosy relates our identities with our things. Letting us showcase our own taste and style with the things that we collect. We, one, we want to make sure that all of our content on Choosy, all the user-generated content relates to a thing. Every time you post something... You're also um, authenticating it into your possession. So that's, that's the fun part. It's not just uploading a photo. It's actually capturing what your thing looks like right now. Think about like be real versus TikTok. It's that authenticity 
validity. Our validity comes from our things. Now, when it comes to different community spaces that are available right now, Reddit, uh, Discord, Facebook groups, a lot of these platforms are optimized for discussions. And I would say not differentiation. If you are just optimizing for free speech and for vibrant speech, it you don't necessarily um, differentiate yourself through your you don't really show off anything on your own. You kind of just contribute to threads and comments and and feeds in general. So one of the things that we offer on Choosy is more of a space for individuality. We're a home for your collection rather than just um, topics, I would say. Yeah. And when it comes to like Pinterest and Instagram, uh, where you can showcase visuals, the difference with Choosy is all of the visuals all of the posts that you make are also related to one of the items that you own. So when it comes to, you know, a Pinterest or an Instagram, I would say that those channels, those social channels are optimized more for aesthetics, but not like the authenticity of, of owning the items that you own as a collector. All collectors are sometimes buyers and sometimes sellers. And that's just yeah. because... Because if you think about what a collector is, you know, our things are things that we're all proud of. We're not always selling them. We're not always buying them. And we have limited space. We also probably dedicate a limited amount of funds to our collections. It's almost like a closet. You know, you can't have everything (laughs) in the world. You have to be a little choosy about what's in there. And how do you choose, right? Our collect uh, as collectors, we're not seen as better collectors necessarily by having the most stuff, but also about having the tight, tightest curated, like the best stuff, right? The best mm-hmm. collection for us. So, in order to keep our collections tight, whenever we want to buy something, it's very likely that we actually need to clear off some space, something that doesn't you know, spark joy anymore. So it's Mm -hmm. almost like a conveyor belt uh, economy, a circular economy where I, as soon as I buy something, I'm also selling something because look, I have one cabinet, a glass cabinet with my plants in it, humidity controlled. Mm -hmm. That's my display case for my, my rare plants, but it's not an infinite amount of space. So I have to think about which ones are worth keeping and which ones might make another collector happy? Somebody who just got into collecting, you know, we're actually finding on Choosy. We, you know, our, cho- our, our users are actually showing that they spend more on their collection than they sell their things for, which means people aren't selling to make money necessarily. People are selling to support another collector's collection so that you can then have the space to add something new to yours. It's almost mm-hmm. like buying and selling isn't the point of choosy, which makes it different than a traditional marketplace, like an eBay, for example. Yeah. Buying and selling isn't the point. It's one way that we engage with each other. Just like on Venmo, right? On Venmo, 
Sometimes you're paying your friend, sometimes your friend pays you. These transactions are happening in the course of living your everyday life. We're not all going out there being like, I am, you know, a, an entrepreneur or I am um, a store or a shop or a business. We're just people living our lives. And so that just makes it a very casual experience because we're, you know, we're not professionals, but also we want transactions between each other as collectors to feel like it doesn't have to be a full-time job. It should be more casual. It should be social first. So that's the way we're designed. Um, a little bit less like a sales channel and a little bit more like, mm -hmm. like Venmo, like casual transactions. These things are just what happens when we get together. We want this option. Yeah. What, who is the beta for? Uh, can anyone in the world with their collections sign up or are you focused on a specific, let's say community or vertical? We're not vertically focused per se. And we, we did some studies on our wait list. Uh, our wait list had a hundred, a thousand and twenty five users, 1,025 users, uh, most of which you know, in the 60% are women, um, 70, 78% is a uh, Gen Z or millennial. We have suggested categories right now, but they're just suggestions. For example, you know, even Reddit started out with only three subreddits. Um, but on Choosy, we have these, I would say, nebulas, these worlds, right? The worlds are, you know, there's Arts and media, there are toys and games, homewares and decor, fashion and accessories, uh, and natural items. If you're like a plant person like me, or like, you know, rocks, crystals, bones, shells, one of those people, mm -hmm. or anything else. And in any, let's say, those are our worlds, they're just suggestions, and we have an other. If, you're, if it's other, you can just write it in other. And if I haven't thought of it, you know, this is how we start clustering people based on, you know, if it's an object we haven't thought of, there are endless things you can collect. And we kind of want to be that place where no matter what it is, you are able to find your people. Mm -hmm. um, so in every one of those worlds, we have, you know, uh, some loose subcategories. I call them continents of collectors. Um, so in natural items, we have plant people, we have botanicals, minerals, and, you know, et cetera. So the, these are little buckets that we start with, but every single continent, every single world, you know, on every level, there's an other category. So whatever it is, we still actually want to make sure your feed is still for you by having things that are similar to yours. Founders of social apps shouldn't be um, fencing or censoring what kind of content um, social media content is. And the difference is with Choosy is the social content is items. So, I mean, I mean, if you're allowed, like legally, if you're allowed to possess it, we do want you to collect it in public on Choosy and find friends who do the same thing. So... What is something that you've learned about yourself uh, while you're building your company, Choosy, that um, you got from your 
you know, world-spanning background. In building Choosy, I learned that, you know, it's not really about what we decided to collect. You know, whether you're collecting something in Japan, in Pakistan, in China, or in America, the the thing that ties us all together is how proud we are of what we've collected. And the one thing I think that anyone at any point, no matter how big Choosy gets, can um, is just connection is is a relationship with someone else as collectors. So I think the one thing, the one problem that we, we really hope to solve is like rare items, rare people, right? The people, the kind of people mm-hmm. that like, that get obsessed with, you know, items that are odd or obscure or niche, you know? What are you most hopeful or optimistic for? When I think about the first generation of social media and social apps particularly, I think about, you know, how many different interest groups there are, right? If I wanted to join a plant group on, you know, Reddit, on 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 Facebook, there are many different ones. And it's kind of like adding your own community, like adding your own group, your own community, like group by group one at a time. If I was to build a Twitter list of plant people, it's, you know, building my, you know, own network, like one at a time, user by user, stumbling, um, just trying to dig around for the people that are interested, um, group by group, person by person. And, you know, that's all changed after, for example, for example, TikTok. I really believe that one of the best and most hopeful things of AI is making connections faster and making connections better and being able to predict, you know, this is that thing that I love, but I don't even know I love yet. This is a person that is my best friend, but I wouldn't know, right? It takes it out of being this full-time job for you to find people that might inspire you, that you might connect with. And my hope is that we spend more time in interacting with each other and in, in building good relationships and keeping and staying in touch with each other and finding each other isn't, you know, is, is not all this work. I hope that, I think there's a lot of opportunity for technology to just eradicate our own distance and borders so that we can coalesce over the things that matter. That is a wonderful way to end this episode. Um, Shirley, I would I really appreciate your time and your knowledge and sharing your background and choosy the product with us. How can a people who when this episode is out, Choosy's beta is available. So how can they find Choosy? How can they um, sign up or use the product? Great. So you can go if you're interested in checking Choosy out, you can go to our website, which is Choosy, C-H-O-O-S-I-I dot us. So U-S. And there you can, uh, you can sign up right on that website. Uh, we just ask you uh, for your name, what you collect, and 
if you're iOS or Android. And then you'll get a link in your email so that you can really come and join us too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure people, uh, you know, going to find a lot of value from this episode.